chair. Right, that's my problem. Right? I just can't get comfortable. I'm so uncomfortable. Check, right check. Now. This fucking microphone. It's Checking just... chickens and Czechoslovakia. I need a desk. This thing's so fucking annoying. Like it covers half my screen. Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today, we're pop shoving some sharp shit through our wrist and calling ourselves Christ. We spent a lot of time on the podcast making fun of J-Boy, and we figured it's probably about time we take a closer look at what he had to endure on that cross. Because nothing's cooler than the radical brutality needed to kill gods and martyrs. Today, we are looking at the glorious horrors of crucifixion. You know, you really don't know a man until you walk a mile in his Birkenstocks. You really don't know a man until you nail him to a cross. (laughs) (laughs) How was your week, man? Uh, It's been pretty good, actually. It's been uh, very busy. I'm excited Um, for this one. Yeah, I am too. You put together some really nice work here, and I'm very excited to uh, read it out loud as opposed to just reading it in my head, (laughs) in my head voice. Uh, as I did earlier this week. So you're busy. You got a new cat. Yes. Uh, little Jeremy. stole a cat. Yeah, stole the a cat. Janked it from the streets. You know, he was coming around. He was living in our garage anyways for the most part. So I, I kind of uh, organized some meetings with him and my cat mm-hmm. uh, around my, my doorway. And they seemed to tolerate each other. So I brought him in. And he's doing good. Did he they kiss? Uh, no, not yet. Mm. She's still, uh, she's like keeping her distance, but she's not hissing at him or anything like she was with the other cat. So, oh, they're that's... both ladies. You got two ladies. Oh, no, no. This is a, this is a boy. That's treacherous. I don't, yeah. I, I feel like you're on a real slippy slope. You know, I, I know that I, I wasn't expecting to try to get another cat, considering especially how my cat loves to be the center of attention. But especially during the summer times when I'm gone for long periods of time, she's here with nothing to fucking do. So if I can give her someone to play with or at least someone, you know, a, a companion of sorts, I think that's the right thing to do. Sure. But it's, Plus, it's... I'm taking in – plus fucking Jeremy's cool as hell, man. <laughs> he's rad. He's big. He's like a Maine Coon. He's real pretty. Real, real cool dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Call him Jeremy for short because he's all dirty and rolls around in the dirt. Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> How's your week been? <laughs> it's okay. I had my, uh, my last supper, my last curry supper before uh, headed out for vacation on Fuck yeah. Saturday morning going to Puerto Rico. So, uh, yeah, that'll be I, – I, I don't know what to expect. Honestly, I'm just dreading the fucking flight because I can't – ingest nicotine that's really my only concern i mean yeah that's probably that's a fair concern with the amount that you do ingest i'm on nicotine i'm drinking my eight not my 9 p.m monster and i've probably ingested like two packs of cigarettes worth of nicotine today and I, I don't want to get on a plane. I feel, like I, <laughs> I feel like I'll die. I feel like I'm going to lose parts of myself on this journey. No, I'm I'm actually pretty excited just to have a little time off work to really to get my head together and relax a bit. So Yeah, it'll be good for you. Yeah, I'm going to sneak a microphone with me and see if we can record something while I'm on the beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get all that just straight wind and sand. Sand in the mic. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then what you get out of it is going to be gobbledy garbage. But you know. But we're going to try to keep we we have such a good streak of not missing a week. So I'm going to do whatever the fuck it takes in Puerto Rico to get an episode out. I don't care if I'm in San Juan in a internet cafe stealing Wi-Fi from someone. We're going to get an episode out. <laughs> Gonna get an interview in with the uh, the governor of uh, governor of Puerto Rico. <laughs> That's funny. My my little sister wants to go clubbing in San Juan, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't. She's at that age where I don't know if I can stop her. But right, right. it would also be the dumbest thing ever for her to go alone. Yeah, exactly. So, so I feel like I may end up going to a club in San Juan. <laughs> Have fun with that. The things we do uh, for love. Uh, we'll see. It'll be goofy. But uh, any, any honorable mentions before we get into this? I do not. How about yourself? I don't either. I, I'm watching the season finale of su- Succession. And it's pretty rad. I, More like Succession, am I right? It's actually really good. But the, <laughs> really, it's just never the music. It. it is the best music for a new show in a long time like it's orchestral shit it's like the mm-hmm. piano guy you like farwell what's his name yeah 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 it's that uh, vibe farwell, yeah yeah i'm re-watching fringe i and i know how you feel about fringe i know it's your favorite you just couldn't do all of the it's star- all of the uh, uh lens flares that's and not, I, that's not I, the only thing it is a bad i will show. say i you didn't watch the whole series did you I got to the point where it was unbearable. The first seat, it starts on a decent note, like as a, this isn't a good show, but it's really fun and has some good ideas, and it just uh-huh. really decayed. Each episode um, was just another open sore, you know? It it picks up in a way that kind of ties all the loose ends together, and I realized there, there actually is, not for all the lens flares, but for a lot of the <laughs> lens flares, there is like plot behind it. Um, um the, the, I'm uh, I'm calling cope. This is pure <laughs> copium. You have your little your little oxygen <laughs> tank over there, just full of copium. It's uh, I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's uh, you know, perfect in every way, but I do enjoy the show. Well, we'll revisit it. Oh, sometimes you need comfort shows that are just fun to that are familiar. Like I, yes. I like watching familiar shit to fall asleep to. I get the similar vibes of Lost, but I can't watch yeah. Lost because it fucks with my head. Lost is a better, similar vibe for I me. I mean, you know, but, same guy, but... Yeah. Well, speaking of sleeping forever and getting lost, should we talk about crucifixion? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Kick, kick us off. This is, this is going to be a brutal one. This is a... Yeah, this is... <laughs> it gets <final>. graphic. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Crucifixion is a method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied to or nailed to a large wooden cross or beam and left to hang until eventual death. It was used as punishment by the Persians, Carthaginians, and Romans, among others. Crucifixion has been used in parts of the world as recently as the 21st century. I mean, it's used today. People still use it. It's just not, I don't know. It's, it's not, not as well, big it, as it used to be. It's not as popular. Yeah. It's, you know, it takes a lot of work to put that, put the cross together. You know, people think like, oh, I'll just build a cross. You and need a carpenter it. to make a cross. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's here's my question. Why aren't the centuries always, like 21st century is 2000, right? Yeah. I, uh, that's nonsense. It's like Korean birthdays. <laughs> you know? 
Am I getting that wrong too? Are, no, they're born I think one. they they do the thing where it's like you, it's not until like the next year. You're not one until what's this the following whole thing year. of using numbers that don't represent the numbers <laughs> they stand well, for? Like 21st century isn't 21; it's 20th. Well, the idea would be like, it's not the 20th century because the 20th century would have been uh, from 1900 until uh, 2000 because that's it was it finalized being the 20th. I just don't like it. (laughs) At the end of the 21st century, it will be 2100. (laughs) The crucifixion of Jesus is central to Christianity. (laughs) And... (laughs) And the cross, sometimes depicted with Jesus nailed to it, is the main religious symbol for many Christian churches. The English term cross derived from the Latin word crux, which classically referred to a tree or any construction of wood used to hang criminals as a form of execution. The term later came to refer specifically to a cross. The related term crucifix derives from the Latin crucifixus, past particle passive of crucifigere, meaning to crucify or to fasten to a cross. It's really interesting, like, on the research for this, how centered around criminals so much torture has been historically, and how much, I don't know, how much of, like, a focus there is on justice. It's it's a, a huge arc in the um, the human species is we love, we love crime and we love violence. And I, I think... But I think even more than that, it's like we like to punish people. There's like a self-righteous nature to so many torture methods where it it feels like it's not just the most effective way. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, like we're not we can't just kill this guy. We got to draw it out and make sure everyone else knows how much how much we're going to we're going to make you suffer. You're going to watch their flesh and blood rot off a cross as a reminder for you not to do what they did. I mean, it's absolute brutality and tyranny in a, in a way to control people. That's what I love about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what makes Vlad the Impaler so enticing as a, yeah, as a, a character. Definitely. He was, he was a wild boy. Bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) Crucifixion was invented by the Persians between 300 and 400 BC. It is quite possibly the most painful death ever invented by mankind. That's not true. I'm rereading my notes and I'm realizing a lot of mistakes were made. It's up there, but there's like the blood eagles. There's the The scaphism. The bearing with the bug. There's all kinds of fun ways. I still think injecting glass is pretty cool, but that's just me personally. The English language derives the word excruciating from the word crucifixion, acknowledging it as a form of slow, painful suffering. That's rad. In the Roman Empire, the instruments for crucifixions took on many shapes. Seneca the Younger, from around 4 BCE to 65 CE, states, I see crosses there, not just of one kind, but made in many different ways. Some have their victims with head down on the ground, some impale their private parts, Others stretch their arms out on the gibbet. According to Josephus, during Emperor Titus's siege of Jerusalem, Roman soldiers nailed innumerable Jewish captives to crosses in various ways. Well, we might as well say it here, but obviously crucifying Jews is not based. <laughs> not based, for the record, but for Jesus, we'll gladly make the exception. I think, we, I we think that to... was a moral thing to do. 
<laughs> we need to make a soundbite that's just like air horns and then no, 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 not based. <laughs> it's so crazy, like how much recent anti-Semitism has been that that now you almost have to be deliberately like you can't. Yeah, you're not. We're not saying you know it was. This was part of history, and we liked it. <laughs> and, and, it, was, it was fucked up. And to be fair, and they, we acknowledge it. They are an absolute garbage religion, but they're the best of the worst. And how they've been, I don't know, lately and historically prosecuted is pretty unbased. So, yeah. But for Jesus, we make exceptions. Yeah, exactly. For our for our boy J boy, for our boy Jeezy. J-Boy got what he deserved. <laughs> At various points in Rome's history, travelers walking down the highway into town would be greeted by the screams and moans of crucified criminals in the distance. Kind of like billboards, but more annoying and spooky. <laughs> Some major roads were said to have thousands of people crucified at a time. Some would die right away while others wailed for days. But they would all slowly rot in the sun until their remains dripped off the crosses or were eaten by animals. Now, that's, that's awful. It sounds disgusting. Imagine you're just trying to get from point A to point B. You're a merchant looking to sell your wares. <laughs> and you go to the major city. You got all these furs. And as you're pulling in, there's just people dying and wailing and, you know, dripping pieces of themselves disgusting it would actually be like a little pathway through hell yeah that would yeah be exactly the stench and all the birds like dripping blood from the sky like thousands of people on crucifixes on a on a road i think those were to be fair that's at very specific points in history where i think there were that large like where entire masses of people were crucified on the average i don't think you're going through the Roman highways and and seeing sites quite that extraordinary, but it was crucifixion in general was still like they didn't record it much in history stuff mm -hmm. because it was still so brutal and taboo, but it was a semi-common thing for people to see these public humiliations, desecrations to to keep the masses in order. Now, our boy Seneca mentioned gibbets in his quote. Let me talk yeah. about gibbets for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I like I like the word. I think word. it's a very it's a very fun word. It's a gibbet. Reminds it's like me what's, of you know it's a you know it's a, a whatchamacallit. It's a thing to do. Get those gibbets off that gibbet. <laughs> yeah, a, a gibbet is any instrument of public execution. At times, the gibbet was only one vertical stake, called in Latin crux simplex. This is the simplest available construction for torturing and killing the condemned. Frequently, however, there is a cross piece attached either at the top to give the shape of a capital T, called a crux commissa, or just below the top, as in the form most familiar in the Christian symbolism, the crux emissa. Yeah, I did think this was kind of cool because when I was doing research, I couldn't figure out what the gibbet was at first because so many different things will come up and it really just- Yeah, they're all gibbets. Uh, yeah, the, the what kept coming up for me a lot was those metal cages that are shaped like a human and they- would, Oh, yeah, yeah. They would like put you in that and hang you off a, like a cross or like a stake in the ground. You just roast in the sun like a little cage bird. But I, Yeah. What a cool word, gibbet. So that's- 
For a crucifix, it is the vertical stake, but in general, it is any instrument of public execution. Correct. What's most important to note here is creativity. Mm -hmm. You can only nail or impale people to wood so many times before it gets boring. Right. Variety is the spice to life. While some methods of crucifixion were used more often than others, people tend to get creative about murder. Simple methods may just involve impaling a person with a sharp pole, but nearly any imaginable wood-based construction has been used at some point. I've always been really partial to the X-shaped crosses. I think those look really cool, very aesthetically pleasing. You yeah, know what I'm talking? yeah, those carry on. Those are like uh, fetish gear now. Yeah, that's that is true. I didn't put that together. That's a good connection. To me, that looks way more barbaric than the Jesus cross. Yeah, you know, I think it. it I think it looks. It looks more human, I think. There's like a weird, yeah. It's like more. Um, what's the the one that Leonardo uh, was yes, Leonardo dude. DiCaprio, Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci did of the the anatomy of man or whatever. Yeah. Now we have to know the name. I'm blanking too, but that is like it represents natural human form better. Whereas like the crux imis, imisa, yes, imisa, the Christian typical cross. That feels more posed, opposed to the the X being more of a natural anatomic positioning. It's the the Vitruvian man. The Vitruvian man. Leonardo DiCaprio's Vitruvian (laughs) Vitruvian man. (laughs) I also really love the the St. Peter style crosses where they put your head to the ground, nail your feet up high, and then when they're feeling frisky, cut your bowels and let them hang in front of your face. Because that's pretty fucked. So rad. So brutal. Wasn't there the whole thing with you're supposed to like, if you have a statue of St. Peter, you bury it upside down in your yard or something? I've heard different different things with that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the the lore on that (laughs) that one is. (laughs) The St. Pete lore. (laughs) It's it's like with crucifixes. Like in Europe – or uh, in Italy, a lot people will wear crucifixes, mm-hmm. but like in most, or at least in the West, it's like extremely sacrilegious. Like if you see someone in America wearing a crucifix, they're either <laughs> a very practicing Italian <laughs> or they're like a piece of shit who just likes to pose as a Christian, you know? Mm, if you don't see the blood, are you? do you really have the faith? <laughs> Either way, if you see someone wearing crucifix, you know they're a piece of shit. Unless they're gothy and they're wearing it in opposition because it's supposed to be a sin to wear. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They're so pretty, though. Now, I know what you're all wondering about right now. What about the nails? Tell us about the nails, Ricky. In popular depictions, the crucifixion of Jesus is shown with nails in his hands. But in the original Greek, the word hand could refer to the entire portion of the arm below the elbow. A possibility that does not require tying is that the nails were inserted just above the wrist through the soft tissue between the two bones of the forearm, the radius, and the ulna. It's really brutal. Uh, yeah. Those bones, how they curl, like <laughs> to split that difference with a nail through that, that negative mm-hmm. space is just... Oh, it's rough, dude. That's also, I always get radius and ulna confused, but I never, never mistake the T fib. <laughs> That's how you remember the leg bones. It's the T fib. You'll never forget. 
You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never needed to, to think about that, but now I will for the rest of my life. Thank you, Stephen. You some, taught me a thing. Some of us work very important doctor jobs in the medical industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then make podcasts about crucifix. <laughs> this is one of those. This is one of those uh, tips of the trade from the expert. To fib. Yeah, you don't have to you, skip the schooling. Steven's got it. Got you covered. Just one eight hundred. Ask Steven. The trick is to cheat and then pay an Indian coder on the other side of the world to do your job while you stay home. That's, yeah, that's basically how the medical industry works. Apparently, it's like I mean, they're gonna outsource the work anyways. If you can just middleman that out and make a little profit on it, dude, that's what I'm saying. It is crazy though. Like, no one knows where their health care information goes. It's shockingly deregulated in how many mm-hmm. different parties can see your shit. It's very wild. That said, (laughs) a footrest is attached to the cross, perhaps for the purpose of taking the person's weight off the wrist. It is sometimes included in the representations of the crucifixion of Jesus, but is not discussed in ancient sources. Although some ancient sources do mention a small seat attached to the front of the cross, about halfway down, which could have served a similar purpose, and is just frankly downright adorable a little cross seat yeah how considerate put a little seat in there in case your arms get tired you know (laughs) that it supposedly in part it's to keep the wrist muscles from ripping too much and it Mm -hmm. prolongs pain but it looks adorable yeah you don't want you to die on the first day that's no fun Oh, we gotta we gotta wail through the night, and you know, get uh, you know, your your insides get you know cooked by the sun, and S- somebody's got to keep them coyotes company. <laughs> That's right. To anchor the feet, nails were. <laughs> to anchor the feet, nails were driven through soft tissues of the tops of the feet. The nails would crunch through the metatarsals until they found wood. Sometimes the nails were even driven directly into the ankle bones. Yeah, I found an artifact of preserved ankle bones with the nail Mm. still half embedded in the rock that the dig was from. But you see the nail like curving through around the ends of the ankle bones all in one solid chunk. But But if they got a lucky strike, they would just drive it right through the bones. Fuck. Yeah, that's tough. Everyone remembers the nails, but rope rope doesn't get the respect it deserved. It played yeah. a big role as well. Whatever Let's give ca- it up for rope. <laughs> rope, Real ladies quick, and just gentlemen. Get, get, yeah. <laughs> Responsible for many various horrors throughout our history. And a ton of suicides, which I would say kind of evens out their karma. It's a nice deal. Yeah, yeah. Think of how many times you needed a rope and a rope came through. It was there for you. You know, or, uh, you know, I guess electrical cords for that matter. Yeah, I mean- that rope could have broke what, what, so many times, but it held for you, you know? You know, an extension cord's just a spicy rope. <laughs> spicy rope. It reminded me of Twizzlers, like jalapeno <laughs> Twizzlers. Does that exist yet? I would love to be, I would love to test them. 
But whatever kept the victim from breaking free was fair game. They would sometimes use chains and other things of this nature. These objects used in the crucifixion of criminals, such as the rope nails, chains, whatever, were often sought as amulets with perceived medicinal qualities. The length of time required to reach death could range from hours to days, depending on the method, the victim's health, and the environment. Sorry, I just I couldn't think of a joke to, to put in put in, put in here. But you're talking about the Twizzlers rope. <laughs> I thought you know they are they they already kind of already make something like that. They make like a nerd's rope. You can hang yourself with a nerd's rope. <laughs> <You> can... <laughs> that would be a wacky death. That would be <laughs> that would be some, some zany some real, suicide. <laughs> Willy Wonka ass shit. Just <laughs> <laughs> full on your Oompa Loompa heritage. Just <laughs> I like the idea of uh, medicinal nails. Like uh, medicinal little, <laughs> yeah. little am little trinkets. Like these are the nails of the the martyr or whatever. Now, mm-hmm. as much as I despise religious folk, I've said it many times throughout this podcast. I respect the fuck out of martyrs because at least they're willing to die for something they believe in. Mm-hmm. Whereas everyone else just talks shit that that they don't care about, don't truly believe, wouldn't risk any form of sacrifice at all to defend yet we got these martyrs dying from from fucking stones bashed to their head just to prove a point that no one gives a fuck you know right i respect the martyrs yeah i want martyr teeth martyr teeth i want i want to get some martyr teeth so some teeth that belong to a martyr yeah and then i said yeah, these I are know. my teeth now you idiot <laughs> these are mine <laughs> Because you mine. died, you fucking idiot. <laughs> For something you, I respect you, but you're stupid, and now your teeth are mine. <laughs> that would make me very. I'd feel like, feel like a little demon tooth fairy. You know, <laughs> I'd enjoy that. Oh, uh, that's gonna be should be your next Halloween costume, the demon tooth fairy. It's in the works. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's some some store bought pink fairy wings and uh, you put on a black tutu and then <laughs> you just wear a, a wife beater <laughs> and like some some two short jean shorts and you're <laughs> hey don't fucking demon tooth fairy don't make fun of my jorts i'm in a wife beater and jorts right now okay <laughs> it's a lifestyle but somebody's gotta live it <laughs> A theory attributed to physician Pierre Barbet held that when the whole body weight was supported by the stretched arms, the typical cause of death was asphyxiation. He wrote that the condemned would have severe difficulty inhaling due to hyperexpansion of the chest muscles and lungs. The condemned would therefore have to draw himself up by the arms, leading to exhaustion, or have his feet supported by tying or by a block of wood. When he was no longer able to lift himself, the condemned would die within a few minutes. Yeah, but then that kind of makes sense why they would incorporate the, the various seats or ledges or type things built into the, the cross themselves just to draw it out or they asphyxiate too quick. Yeah, you know, you put together, you get all the work together of putting, building this cross and, you know, ha- have somebody forge these nails and, you you know, you put on this spectacle of a show of hanging a person to a cross, nailing them to to wood and leaving them out, and like it's just over in a couple minutes. What's the, what's the point? Yeah, I also really like the the use of that word, the condemned. That it has so much gravity to it to be condemned, right? To mm-hmm. die on a cross, fucking 
Fucking brutal shit. Although modern researchers who have performed reenactments have come to various conclusions besides asphyxia as a primary cause of death. So the actual cause, it's often thought to be asphyxiation, but there is a little debate on that. And it's kind of funny. I watched a couple of the these reenactments and it's just a bunch of scientists running around with fake crosses loaded with uh, weights dispersed and human shape to try to mimic you know like it's it's kind of mm, a yeah a looney tunes operation but there is scholarly support for several other possible causes of death including heart failure arrhythmia hypovolemic shock acidosis dehydration and pulmonary embolisms death could result from any combination of those factors and others or just from bleeding out or things like sepsis infections all that fun stuff caused by the nails or the scourgings that often preceded crucifixion, or just from being stabbed by the guards. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, good old fashioned way. If you're taking too long, you know, there's there's a time like we got more we got more bodies to hang. You know what I'm saying? Like no, we gotta know your worth. You should yeah. know, if you're being nailed to a cross, you should know how long you have to die. Like you yeah. should know that instinctually and not waste the crowd's time. Don't uh, you know? Don't outstay your fucking welcome. Some people you know? deserve a couple days. Other people just get the fuck out of this world. Yeah, let's let's move this along. <laughs> Don't don't turn this into a thing. You're getting the hook off the side. They're flashing the light in the back. You gotta <laughs> just go towards the light. Since death does not follow immediately on crucifixion, survival after a short period of crucifixion is possible, as in the case of those who choose each year as a devotional practice to be non-lethally crucified. Yeah, this non-lethal crucifixion business is pretty it's both impressive and like very sad to me but there Mm -hmm. it's not just one guy but there's a modern filipino man who non-lethally crucifies himself each year on good friday in honor of jesus i haven't heard about him much the last few years but most years there's some news blurb about him and he's done it at least 33 times so on good friday each year he has a group of people that helped nail him to this cross. And uh, how do you do that? I mean, like, it, I can see it like once or like twice, but like, are you just like nailing through the same spot? Um. Okay. It, it is what I remember. They use like really thin nails and they, it seems like they typically put them through the hands and then use rope to bind his body to the cross. Okay. So they're, they're taking the weight off of it. It's more like they're really just getting, you know, a, a couple p- big piercings as a devotional sign. But it, I mean, that's still incredibly, incredibly brutal. And I think typically he would stay on the cross for that full day. And uh, I mean, it's still got to be pretty harrowing stuff. But there's a different traditions that involve non-lethal crucifixion. There's also just a lot of modern crucifixion that isn't talked about as much, but we'll get into some of that here in a bit. Crucifixion was generally performed within ancient Rome as a means to dissuade others from perpetrating similar crimes, with victims often left on display after death as a warning. Crucifixion was intended to provide a death that was particularly slow, painful, gruesome, humiliating, and public, using whatever means were most expedient for that goal. 
The exact methods varied considerably with location and period. Yeah. Various cultures have their own intricacies and favorite flavors of crucifixion, often influenced by religion or politics. And while it's obviously a less popular form of execution today, the practice has never ceased to exist. In recent years, the Azov Battalion has allegedly gone as far as posting videos of crucifixion on social media, and public crucifixion has occurred in Saudi Arabia as recently as the 2000s, although on occasion, they <laughs> they first behead the person and then crucify the body. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's it, at that point, it's like an art piece. It, really is you're not doing it for you know the um, i don't know you're just doing it for the aesthetic <laughs> and just fear-mongering but yeah <laughs> I, I think the biggest difference is that today torture just isn't widely as accepted as death is mm -hmm. we still love death but the torture involved is in actually crucifying someone is just thought as like a small step too far and we likely never we'll see the practice carried out the way it was on the scale of ancient Rome. I, I, there will always be exceptions. There was a mm -hmm. group of uh, Japanese martyrs, I think there were like 26 of them, that all chose in the face of some other evil to die on a cross, and they all became... like. There's always going to be different war crimes or genocides or ways in which crucifixion is used to instill fear in others. But we'll never see it like it was in Rome. Hell yeah, welcome to Earth, baby. <laughs> Notorious mass crucifixions followed Roman civil wars and the slave rebellions under Spartacus. It's said that Crassus ordered the crucifixion of 6,000 of Spartacus's followers who had been hunted down and captured. Years later, in a siege that led to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Roman soldiers crucified Jewish captives before the walls of Jerusalem and out of anger and hatred amused themselves by nailing them in different positions. Quote, the soldiers, out of rage and hatred, nailed those they caught, one after one way, and another after another, to the crosses by way of jest. End quote. It's fucking gnarly, man. The, yeah. There's nothing like bored soldiers trying to amuse themselves, huh? It's like, you know, before the internet, before they, <laughs> they didn't have, like, some YouTube back in the barracks. <laughs> it's, it's always, you know, oh, we're bored. Let's rape, pillage, or mutilate the people we murdered. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Whether it's in ancient Rome or Iraq today with U.S. troops. We, we find a way to keep our soldiers busy. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're going to kill them anyways. Let's make it interesting. Yeah, let's make it fun. In some cases, the condemned were forced to carry the crossbeam to the place of execution. A whole cross would weigh well over 300 pounds, but the crossbeam would not be as burdensome, weighing in about 100 pounds. The Roman historian Tacitus records that the city of Rome had specific places for carrying out executions, situated outside of the Esquiline Gate, and had specific areas reserved for execution of slaves by crucifixion. So they, they even would separate the regular crucifixion fields and the slave crucifixion fields. Oh, yeah. Uh, upright posts would be presumably fixed in place, and the crossbeam, with the condemned person perhaps already nailed to it, would then be attached to the post, <laughs> which is basically flesh and wood Legos. Yeah, man, you know. A little human, you gotta connect. Some Duplo blocks. Yeah, <laughs> just, just snap them into place, <laughs> hoist it up. <laughs> I'm building mine a little bit taller than yours, you know. <laughs> I wonder what the tallest cross someone's ever been crucified on. Oh, man. All right, you read... 
our next paragraph while I look that up. You look that up. Cool. <laughs> while a crucifixion was an execution, it was also humiliation by making the condemned as vulnerable as possible. Although artists have traditionally depicted the figure on a cross with a loincloth or a covering of the genitals, the person being crucified was usually stripped naked. Writings by Seneca the Younger, a Stoic philosopher from ancient Rome, stated some victims suffered a stick forced upward through their groin. I think that's just a polite way of saying anally impaled. Nice. <laughs> that makes anal sound way less fun. When it's yeah. Just a sharp stick. <laughs> the word impaled. It's way less cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, um, you know, back to my boy Bl- Vlad, man. He was a uh, real sick son of a bitch. There's something so primitive and animal about, like, just literally sharpening a sharp stick up someone's ass. Like, that. that is so. Uh, it's like the sawing in half or the. It was a big thing in uh, the Middle East where they just set people on the pointed stick and let them slide down. Like, that shit's. Yeah. Uh, so apparently the tallest crosses, there's a handful in uh, Colombia, I think some other South America places, like where there's statues or like almost like one of them was at a theme park and they're like 250 feet tall, 260 feet tall. But I couldn't find the biggest crucifix used to crucify. I mm. think that's Google's a little slow on getting the data on that one. But, you know, it, it comes to a certain point where like. Do they have if they have to use like tools and equipment and like technology to get the the cross beam high enough? You know, it's like what's the well, you be, what's the point? What are we really doing here? Well, if it's too tall, you also might be glorifying the condemned, and that would kind of defeat yeah, the whole true. point of dishonoring them. Maybe true. if we did underground crucifixions, oh yeah, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> crucify them and then bury them, <laughs> dude. What if you crucified someone on a like? What would you call it? Like um, like a sewer lid, and then like a really big sewer lid, and then you hung it upside down in a well, so they're crucified underground. Mm, and that's like, fucking brutal. That that actually would be kind of brutal. You can make little pits for it. And, yeah, pretty fucked. But despite its frequent use by the Romans, the horrors of crucifixion did not escape criticism by some eminent Roman orders, such as Cicero, for example who described crucifixion as, quote, a most cruel and disgusting punishment, and suggested that, quote, that the very mention of the cross should be far removed, not only from a Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, his ears. Elsewhere, he says, quote, it is a crime to bind a Roman citizen. To scourge him is a wickedness. To put him to death is almost parricide. What shall I say of crucifying him? So guilty an action cannot by any possibility be adequately expressed by any name bad enough for it. It's pretty bold words. Yeah. Frequently, the legs of the person executed were broken or shattered with an iron club, an act called crucifergium. <laughs> called Ferg- crucifergalicious. Crucify fergalicious. <laughs> cru- 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 Rigium. Crucifragium. You're not, you're not, cru, crurifragium. Crucifragium. No, no, not just crura. Crurifragium. It's, it's gonna, it's a really fucked up word. Crurifragium. Crurifragium. Yeah. Frequently, the legs of a person executed were broken or shattered with an iron club, 
an act called cruifragium. Cruifragium. Cruifragium? That's as close as I'm going to get. Which yep, was that's nailed. <laughs> which was also frequently applied without crucifixion to slaves. This act hastened the death of the person, but also meant to intimidate and deter those who observed the crucifixion from committing offenses. Really, just having your legs broken with iron clubs is nasty. It's mob shit. It's real fucked up. Crucifixion was intended to be a gruesome spectacle, the most painful and humiliating death imaginable. It was used to punish slaves, pirates, and enemies of the state. It was originally reserved for slaves and later extended to citizens of the lower classes. It's the way many bad things tend to go. We, yeah. Like, in general, society, like, we test out the nasty shit on the low people, and if it catches on in popularity, maybe we can start, you know, sharing it with the rest of the folk. <laughs> it's, uh... Man, I was just researching the Indian caste system. I don't know why, but this is, like, the direct thing that comes to mind, and it's just so crazy, the idea... There's parallels in America, but the idea of, like, you, you start as one in one level of society and you're not meant to ever escape that like in so many mm -hmm. ways the idea of the american dream is, is so beautiful but it, i mean it's obvious it's a dream it's not real there's yeah. so many but it is possible but in so many different societies throughout history the idea of you were born in this class in this caste in this this form of life and you're never allowed to be anything outside of that is Truly claustrophobic. Yeah. According to Roman law, if a slave killed his or her master, all of the master's slaves would be crucified as punishment. Well, that's... Ugh. Both men and women were sent to death on the cross. Tacticus writes in his annals that Lucius Pendius Secundus was murdered by a slave. Some in the Senate tried to prevent the mass crucifixion, of the 400 of his slaves, because there were so many women and children, but in the end, tradition prevailed, and they were all executed in retaliation. Jesus. Man, that's a long day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Imagine being the 400th person, you have to watch your 300... Realistically, that would be the only other 399 people you've ever known. One yeah. by one, die on a cross as you're waiting in line. It's just, and like, I, I love the idea of any anyone enslaved should deserve to be able to get free. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's in, I, I always think it's Norway, but I, I mess it up. But there's a few handful of countries where if you're in prison, you're not penalized for trying to escape. Like if you escape from the prison, they can try to get you, and if they find you years later, you have to finish your sentence. But you don't get additional time for escaping prison or attempting to escape because that is humankind's natural disposition, the want yeah. to be free. The idea of, like, we will kill your family and all your friends as a slave because you tried to free yourself is so nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's real fucked up shit. Yeah, and... and I'd imagine in the, the Roman Senate at the time, that decision to crucify the other 400 slaves, that had to be like a real morally, ethically to a lot of those people. That had to be a real like pivotal, 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 pivotal moment in 
Roman ethics or just I don't know in, in the yeah. in the all of those people's lives. Yeah, is the I mean we're still reading about it now. It was a big enough deal that you know, despite them not writing down a whole lot about you know uh, the details on each individual crucifixion, we do have that record. Yeah, because I, I have a feeling that weighed on a lot of people for a long time. Yeah, like, I, mean, I can't imagine being a person responsible for choosing that. That would, yeah, pretty wild. Too much. Our souls aren't meant to bear everything. Although not conclusive evidence for female crucifixion by itself, the most ancient image of a Roman crucifixion may indeed depict a crucified woman. Despite its use, because crucifixion was such a gruesome and humiliating way to die, it remained somewhat of a taboo in Roman culture, and few crucifixions were specifically documented in detail. I'm actually forgetting what it was. I think it was a drawing of the first crucifix, or like carving or whatever. I forget, to be honest. But it wasn't clear if it was man or woman. But Mm -hmm. supposedly there were some indications it was a woman. And they would uh, often at times have the women facing inwards on the cross. So they weren't as exposed. Which is kind of interesting because it's like... You know, now we're going to be modest about what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, like just because it's a woman or a child, we're going to like take these like slightly, I don't know, like take the edge off of the humiliation, but not all the brutality methods. It just seems exactly. Yeah, it seems. Uh, we can't. Silly and we can't have these bare conscious. breasts exposed in the town square. Yeah, that'd be terrible. <laughs> just murdered. Yeah, but don't yeah. show the breasts. Yeah. That said, we do know that crucifixion was typically carried out by specialized teams, kind of like SWAT teams, consisting Mm -hmm. of a commanding centurion and his soldiers. First, the condemned would be stripped naked and scourged. This would cause the person to lose a large amount of blood and approach a state of shock. The convict then usually had to carry the horizontal beam to the place of execution. During the death march, the prisoner, probably still nude after the scourging, would be led through the crowded streets bearing a titulus, a signboard proclaiming the prisoner's name and crime. Upon arrival at the place of execution, selected to be especially public, the convict would be stripped of any remaining clothing, then nailed to the cross naked. If the crucifixion took place in an established place of execution, the vertical beam, called a stipes, might be permanently embedded in the ground. In this case, the condemned person's wrist would first be nailed to the horizontal beam, and then he or she would be hoisted off the ground with ropes to hang from the elevated beam while it was fastened to the stipes. Next, the feet or ankles would be nailed to the upright stake. The nails themselves were tapered iron spikes, approximately 5 to 7 inches long. The titulus would also be fastened to the cross, to notify onlookers of the person's name and crime as they hung on the cross, farther maximizing the public impact. There may have been considerable variation in the position in which prisoners were nailed to their crosses and how their bodies were supported while they died. One source claims that, for Jews, apparently not for others, a man would be crucified with his back to the cross as is traditionally depicted, while a woman would be nailed facing her cross, probably with her back to onlookers, or at least with the stipes providing some semblance of modesty if viewed from the front. Such concessions were unique, and not made outside a Jewish context. Several sources mention some sort of seat fastened to the stipe to help support the person's body, thereby prolonging the person's suffering and humiliation by preventing asphyxiation caused by hanging without support. 
other scholars believe this seat may have had a pointed shape designed to torment the crucified person. This would be consistent with Seneca's observation of victims with their private parts impaled. In Roman-style crucifixion, the condemned could take up to a few days to die, but death was sometimes hastened by human action. Quote, The attending Roman guards could leave the site only after the victim had died, <laughs> and were known to precipitate death by means of deliberate fracturing of the tibia and or fibula, aka the T-fib, <laughs> spear stab wounds into the heart, sharp blows to the front of the chest, or a smoking fire built at the foot of the cross to asphyxiate the victim. That's just downright creative. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Like, we already got him nailed to a cross, but let's let's put a fire, a little campfire, right in front of him while we roast marshmallows, just so they get a little smoke in their eyes, you know? Yeah. The Romans sometimes broke the prisoner's legs to hasten death, and usually forbade burial. On the other hand, the person was often deliberately kept alive as long as possible to prolong their suffering and humiliation so as to provide the maximum deterrent effect. So basically, it's just on how impatient or willing to follow orders the soldiers were. If they were in a hurry, they'd they'd stab you a couple times, speed it up. If they had nowhere to go, they were going to make it take all day and night. Yeah, you know, they got shit to do, you know, let's, let's speed this up, you know, here's, here's a little poke to the ribs. Hurry up, die quicker, we got other people to kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Corpses of the crucified were typically left in the crosses to decompose and to be eaten by the animals. I think that's my favorite part of all of this. The idea of like solid flesh slowly turning to jello and then liquid. It it wouldn't even like be red blood anymore. It's just black stains as different animals slowly eat it off over the days. The birds in the sky. That's just that fills my soul with joy. That makes it's the me circle smile. of life. That's what the Lion King was about. <laughs> Kuna Matata, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Constantine the Great, the first Christian emperor, abolished crucifixion in the Roman Empire out of veneration for Jesus Christ, its most famous victim. And that brings us to the star of the show, J-Boy Jeebus. Oh, it's a boy, J-Boy. <sighs> now for- Jeezy Creasy. Yeah. Now for the finale, we really want to dial in on exactly what j-boy jesus had to endure so this is from a christian scholar who uh composes what they believe to be very biblical and historically accurate little vignettes of jesus's death so we're gonna we're gonna go through the exact steps of jesus's crucifixion after the passover celebration jesus takes his disciples to gethsemane to pray During his anxious prayers about the events to come, Jesus sweats drops of blood. This could be a rare medical condition called hematohydrosis, during which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands break down. Blood released from the vessels mixes with the sweat, therefore the body sweats drops of blood. This condition results from mental anguish or high anxiety, a state Jesus expresses by praying, quote, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. <laughs> Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. Hematohydrosis makes the skin tender, so Jesus' physical condition worsens slightly. Traveling from Pilate to Herod and back again, Jesus walks approximately two and a half miles. He has not slept, and he has been mocked and beaten. In addition, his skin remains tender from the hematohydrosis. His physical condition worsens. 
Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged, as required by Roman law, before crucifixion. Traditionally, the accused stood naked, and the flogging covered the area from the shoulders down to the upper legs. The whip consisted of several strips of leather. In the middle of the strips were metal balls that hit the skin, causing deep bruising. In addition, a sheep bone was attached to the tips of each strip. Fucking hell. When the bone makes contact with Jesus' skin, it digs into his muscles, tearing out chunks of flesh and exposing the bone beneath. The flogging leaves the skin on Jesus' back in long ribbons. By this point, he has lost a great volume of blood, which causes his blood pressure to fall and puts him into shock. The human body attempts to remedy imbalances such as decreased blood volume, so Jesus' thirst is his body's natural response to his suffering. If he would have drank water, his blood volume would have increased. Roman soldiers place a crown of thorns on Jesus' head and a robe on his back. The robe helps the blood clot, <laughs> similar to putting a piece of tissue on a cut from shaving. It's the same thing. <laughs> to prevent Jesus from sustaining more blood loss. As they hit Jesus in the head, the thorns from the crown push into his skin and he begins bleeding profusely. The thorns also cause damage to the nerves that supply his face, causing intense pain down his face and neck. As they mock him, the soldiers also belittle Jesus by spitting on him and making fun of his dick. They rip the robes of Jesus back and the bleeding starts afresh. So mean. <laughs> Jesus' physical condition becomes critical. Due to severe blood loss without replacement, Jesus is undoubtedly in shock. As such, he is unable to carry the cross, and Simon of Cyrene executes this task. Jesus' cross was probably not the Latin cross, but rather a Tau cross, the capital T-style cross, not the lowercase t-style cross. The vertical piece, the stipes, remains in the ground permanently. The accused carries only the horizontal piece, the patibulum, up the hill. Atop the patibulum lies a sign, the titulus indicating that the formal trial occurred for violation of the law. In Jesus' case, this reads, quote, This is the king of the Jews. The accused needs to be nailed to the patibulum while lying down, so Jesus is thrown to the ground, reopening his wounds, grinding in dirt, and causing bleeding. They nail his hands to the patibulum. Again, the Greek meaning of hands includes the wrist. It is more likely that the nails went through Jesus' wrists. If the nails were driven into the hand, the weight of the arms would cause the nail to rip through the soft flesh. Oh, the soft flesh. <laughs> you got that soft flesh, boy. <laughs> Therefore, the upper body would not be held to the cross. If placed in the wrist, the bones in the lower portion of the hand support the weight of the arms and the body remains nailed to the cross. The huge nails, anywhere from 5 to 9 inches long, damage or sever the major nerve of the hand, the median nerve, upon impact. This causes continuous agonizing pain up both of Jesus' arms. Once the victim is secured, the guards lift the patibulum and place it on the stipes already in the ground. As it is lifted, Jesus' full weight pulls down on his nailed wrists and his shoulders and elbows dislocate. In this position, Jesus' arms stretch to a minimum of six inches longer than their original length. <laughs> He's got those longer arms to hold you with. <laughs> To hug, to hug all of his followers. I love you this much. It is highly likely that Jesus' feet were nailed through the tops, as often pictured. 
In this position, with the knees flexed at approximately 90 degrees, the weight of the body pushes down on the nails and the ankles support the weight. The nails would not rip through the soft tissues, as would have occurred with the hands. Again, the nail would cause severe nerve damage as it severs the dorsal pedal artery of the foot and causes acute pain. Normally, to breathe in, the diaphragm, the large muscle that separates the chest cavity from the abdominal cavity, must move down. This enlarges the chest cavity and air automatically moves into the lungs. To exhale, the diaphragm rises up, which compresses the air in the lungs and forces the air out. As Jesus hangs onto the cross, the weight of his body pulls down on the diaphragm and the air moves into his lungs and remains there. Jesus must push up on his nailed feet, causing more pain to exhale. In order to speak, air must pass over the vocal cords during exhalation. The Gospels note that Jesus spoke seven times from on the cross. It is amazing, despite his pain, he pushes up to say, quote, forgive them. It is amazing. It's almost unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> the difficulty surrounding exhalation leads to a slow form of suffocation. Carbon dioxide builds up in the blood, resulting in a high level of carbonic acid in the blood. The body responds instinctively, triggering the desire to breathe. At the same time, the heart beats faster to circulate available oxygen. The decreased oxygen, due to the difficulty in exhaling, causes damage to the tissues and the capillaries begin leaking watery fluid from the blood into the tissues. This results in a buildup of fluid around the heart, called pericardial effusion, and the lungs, pleural effusion. The collapsing lungs, failing heart, dehydration, and the inability to get sufficient oxygen to the tissues essentially suffocate the victim. The decreased oxygen also damages the heart itself, myocardial infarction, which leads to cardiac arrest. In severe cases of cardiac stress, the heart can even burst, a process known as cardiac rupture. Jesus most likely died of a heart attack. Weak heart. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have that strong God heart like everyone thought he did. Says it all, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead, so they did not break his legs. Instead, the soldiers pierced his side to assure that he was. In doing this, it was reported that blood and water came out, referring to the watery fluid surrounding the heart and lungs. That actually is kind of cool. He's got so much internal bleeding that when they stab him, it's... Uh, well, I guess blood real, always comes out. He's a real, you know, he got the water in there too. He's a real juicy grape. <laughs> Just a little blood grape on that crust. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze that juice. Well, these unpleasant facts depict a brutal murder. The depth of Christ's pain emphasizes the true extent of God's love for his creation. Teaching the physiology of Christ's crucifixion is a constant reminder of the magnificent demonstration of God's love for humanity that was expressed that day. This shit is so funny to me. Imagine writing all of this as a Christian philosopher mm -hmm. and like thinking you're demonstrating any sort of a point. Like some dude that died a long time ago super violently means anything. This lesson enables me to participate in communion, the resemblance of his sacrifice with a grateful heart. So they eat crackers that they mm -hmm. pretend is flesh. Uh -huh. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I struck every time with the stunning realization that is flesh and blood human. Jesus felt every ounce of this execution. What greater love can a man have for his friends? 
<laughs> I mean, you, you've confessed your love and your your uh, adoration for our boy J-Boy, uh, our man Jeezy Crazy. I just don't understand. I just, <laughs> it's just so frustrating. I, it, you know, it, the, the thing is, you can't try to understand it because there's no logic that surrounds it. It's, you know, it, you create excuses of like, well, this is why this makes sense. And can we give hard takes? Can we like be honest? Yeah, go <laughs> like, ahead. Uh, for once, you mean? I believe anyone who is a Christian deserves to be crucified. <laughs> That's not a joke. I, I, I think that is legitimately fair. If you're going to pretend to believe things that most people don't truly at their heart, at their inner core, believe that crackers turn into flesh and blood. If they don't believe that when they are hardcore pressed, they are not Christian. If -hmm. they do believe that, they deserve to be crucified. You know, if they really believe, you know, that that God's love will protect them, you know, they'll come back like Jesus did. I just, I can't imagine being a Christian who wants to like, remember when all the people went to that shit Mel Gibson movie? Uh, uh-huh. What was it? The, the Passion. Passion yeah. to Christ. And going seven, eight times, crying each time. hmm And in so many ways, it's just a cinematic, like, praying on someone's weakness, faith, all, all that shit. But to be a person who... Not only do you need a God, but you need your God to have suffered in ways that only a man could, so that you could appreciate their sacrifice. There's just so many multiple tiers of a pathetic weakness. Yeah, it's pretty, I don't know. These are, these it, are, these are the people that are meant to be stolen from. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're going to turn the other cheek. But, but most of them won't. <laughs> But they're supposed to. They're supposed to. They're supposed to just, whatever we want to do to Christians, they should allow it. That's what their faith dictates. <laughs> it's just, you know, we, we go into this joking, uh, and, you know, crucifixion is, it, it, it is horrible glories, right? That's That's why we've chosen as a, people of faith to to respect our martyrs and to to look up to our messiahs because they they endured a pain we feel we never could and you know there's a reason god as a trinity god didn't do it himself he had to send his son because his son was the human third right mhm suffering is a human thing and when we I don't know what you would like reverse anamorphize when you make a metaphor non-human, but <laughs> suffering is ours, and I don't know what I'm trying to say, but we can't put human suffering on something that isn't human. Mm-hmm. So you're saying God didn't deserve to uh, um, enjoy the suffering that. God doesn't he is deserve bestowed upon us. Yeah, he doesn't deserve our pain. To share to share in our pain. Yeah. I agree with that. But it's often looked at as we we have the joy of benefiting or sharing his pain when it is not his 
to take part of. Right. It is ours. Like, look, I'm, I made this pain for you that, that you uh, are, are faced with. And look, I'll endure it too. And so now when you endure it, you can realize that, look, like, look what I went through for you. And, and it's so naive to think like only – But I'm not going to take away – I'm not going to take away the suffering and the pain though. No, not at all. And, and no. the the naivety in thinking that only the God could do this when we have proof day in, day out, year after year, war after war, we see men and women go through these things. Mm-hmm. No, we don't do anything. It's only when our God goes through it does it truly matter. There's you know, nothing not, unique about crucifixion. We just talked about thousands and thousands of them. We've talked about yeah. modern ones, ancient ones. There's nothing unique about some Jew 2,000 years ago, whatever, fucking dying on a cross. That was right. daily shit. It's the norm. You know, it's, it's, it's not just any God that's doing it, Stephen. It's an awesome God, and he reigns. You know what's so awesome about God? <laughs> Tell you know, me. All right. Is God capable of everything? Does God have infinite power? Mm-hmm. A person of faith has to say yes. So then the question is, can God make an immovable stone? If God has infinite power, how could he make a stone he cannot move? Right. The point is that all good and evil have to come from God. Mm-hmm. God made hell, right? That's the, the whole thing. God's responsible for us all. He's predestined our choices because he made us, he gave us free will, he takes it away, whatever. Like God's responsible for every person that goes to hell. These are all like arguments in a stupid world of someone else's faith. It's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the the layers and layers of contradiction, while simultaneously ignoring just the brutalities of humanity, just seems so silly. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about it with abortion or other human rights stuff. I just so strongly feel that these these arguments of uh, I don't know of a religious nature. We who have thought these things through before need to take much more aggressive approaches. If these are the type of things people want to believe in, they don't mm-hmm. deserve a place in our world, or that the the violent implications of their views should be shoved upon them. Much more eagerly by us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... If you love the nails so much, lick them or, and put them yeah, in your own wrist. Yeah, absolutely. Get your own crucifixion nails. <laughs> build your own, you know, don't build your own uh, uh, guillotine. Build your own cross. Yeah. And, and if you die on that cross, I would feel much more respect. You know, talk to the Filipino guy that does it every year. He'll, he'll teach you how to live through it. Take some notes. Yeah. Build some plans. I don't know. I, I, I think I think it would be wise. Um, you know, we can end on a on a high note here. I don't want and I'm, and I'm just so fucking angry, dude. I just hate I know. You, like, I know. Don't you get revved I, up by this shit? Like it just makes me I like, absolutely Ugh. I do. It's wild that people b- believe the things they believe. Um despite just, all of the the evidence uh their own evidence that's contrary to it. People choose to believe really wild things, but I, you know, I, I do want to. I do want to lift the mood a little bit. I think this will help you sleep better tonight. I think this will, they'll, you know, calm you down a little bit, get you back to the, you know, square one, get you on a level base here. Um, I have a, a passage for you. Um, 
in another segment of is it Taylor oh, Swift, God Taylor Allison Swift, or a great American poet? I really think you're going to like this one. I really, I think this is a really beautiful passage, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. When the ebbing tide retreats along the rocky shoreline, it leaves a trail of tide pools in a short-lived galaxy, each microcosmic planet a complete society. A simple kind of mirror to reflect upon our own, all the busy little creatures chasing out their destinies. Living in their pools, they soon forget about the sea. Wheel within wheels in a spiral array, a pattern so grand and complex. Time after time, we lose sight of the way our causes can't see their effects. That's beautiful. I don't think that's Taylor Swift. So you're going with uh, a great American poet? Yeah. Uh, actually, trick question. It is um, by a Canadian well, rock I, band, Rush. Uh, that's a beautiful lyric. I, that definitely was not Taylor Swift. I could tell on that one. Too, too um, big brain for that mm-hmm. idiot. <laughs> Rush, I could see. Now, the problem with Rush is how they sang it had to have been atrocious. They had oh. to just massacre that beauty. Well, it's one of my favorite songs. It's called Natural Science. And, well, it's got uh, great words. It's very good. <laughs> now, let's start on Rush, okay? this is I'm so revved up. We're going to do a part two, okay? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't cool you down at all. It just no. made you mad. <laughs> I did you like, more mad. I did like the little puddle galaxies. That's, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Good imagery. That's uh, that song in particular is about um, like evolution and. Is that the working um, man one? No, <laughs> I mean it's the same band. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rush does sing "Working Man." The song is called "Natural Science." <laughs> I think that's going to be all for today. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching-Human. Thanks, make sure, <laughs> make sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trash Cast on Instagram for news and arts from the show. Uh, also check out Facebook for the memes. For the memes, if you're super bored, you can check out my trash yard on Instagram at SkyZXSKYZSCX. Working on some anti-theist angry shit. Um... Hopefully, gonna get some time to work on more art on vacation because I'm going a little crazy. I need to get more shit out. Um, but yeah, working on that. We got new cool stuff ahead, and I think we've said it the last couple episodes, but uh, just the support by people. I don't know, so being willing to spend time of their life to listen to us talk about dumb shit that we enjoy doing is just really cool and super yeah. appreciated. Yeah, very fucking cool. Thank you. If you're if you're actually listening to this part, you're uh, you're probably either really cool or real fucked up. Yeah, but, real you know, cool, or, or, or a real uh, combination of both. And we appreciate that. We <laughs> appreciate yeah. you. Absolutely. Uh, that's gonna be all for us today. Stay classy. Eat trashy. Go fast. Eat trash.
think that was beautiful. 